श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय श्री गौरपुणी महामोत्सव की जाय गौर प्रेम सो गुड इवनिंग वेलकम अगेन एवरीवन एंड एज आई मेंशन दिस इवनिंग विल ओपन द डिस्कशन फॉर क्वेश्चंस सो एनी टॉपिक इज इज वायबल ऑप्शन Yes. So I was wondering how to properly receive compliments or praise because I see a lot of people. If you say something nice to them, you just go, "I'm so fallen, I'm so wretched." It's kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and then other people, they get really puffed up, of course, and it lasts for a long time. That's also annoying. But what's the correct attitude to receive so you don't get one petition? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's a little annoying to see kind of an artificial pat, um, uh, humility, humble, uh, you know, answer, canned, humble answer. This is exactly what I'm supposed to say. Oh no, Prabhu, uh, you're great. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very fallen. And the a- opposite of that, obviously, is is, is, is problematic as, as well. It goes to people's heads, and they. I've had a big problem with that. I generous with people, and they, and then they, <laughs> they they soak it up, and then they believe everything I say, and it's true in a sense, but <laughs> but it's generous nonetheless, and uh, and then they come come back at you or something. So that happens. Um, so yeah, re- reasonable question, I suppose, and. Um, I think that uh, for myself at least uh speaking from my own experience I tend to take the praises of others and um I uh, reflect at the time upon receiving them hearing them on on the facts that I've been uh blessed I think that uh is a not a proud statement <laughs> to say that I've been blessed uh uh you have to state the fact and acknowledge that for the glory of those who have done the blessing if you will that they might be known and and uh you acknowledge that there are qualities in yourself that if you're thoughtful about it even in common english parlance it said that uh that um what is it said <laughs> no not to err as human but that that uh about the qualities in oneself being god-given qualities or something like that uh the i- i- idea so to acknowledge it, the goodness in ourselves the uh, the combination of qualities that uh, others see in us and so forth they come from above their 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 blessing their really our whole life is a result of of good association good company uh, this is how Vaishnavism is formed and it is Vaishnavism so it's about serving Vaishnavas senior Vaishnavas getting their company uh conducting ourselves in such a way that they may see fit to 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 uh bless us they may be uh, attracted to our uh, eagerness to serve and so forth and foster so at any rate uh yes so sometimes we have to acknowledge that we've made progress hmm? um that may be an honest statement even though we know that the progress is infinite at the same time 
And so from a certain perspective, we may have to say yes. Uh, but we understand that it's a result of, uh, of grace. So our minds should go, this is my tendency, to the fact that my whole life is, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the grace of my, my gurus and so forth. So the credit, in effect, uh, goes to them. It's the whole, it's part of the whole kind of central, the whole idea of, of Vaishnavism and how we, we progress. I've sometimes given the example that if you're in the forest and you fall into an old dried up well into a hole, then how will you get out? Uh, it's, uh, you'll have to, you have no recourse but to cry out, help, help. And hopefully somebody will hear you. If they hear you, they come and they, they throw you a rope. And they say, hold on to the rope tight, and then they pull you up. And when you get to the top, you don't go, I sure held that rope good, didn't I? No, they, you don't think about that at all. You think, you know, you saved me, you helped me. It was only because of you. It's like, well, you yelled pretty loud. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't think of it like that. Uh, so <clears throat> this is the reality. It's good to be, uh, I guess, in touch with that and regularly and thinking about that and so forth. And and whenever any praise comes, or any thought comes, really, in, in one's mind, in the shower, I'm doing pretty good. And you immediately want to think, yeah, for what, how, what, what's, the, what's the cause of that, and so forth. I've been graced, I've been blessed, uh, and so forth. If you give the credit where the credit is due, then you can acknowledge the fact without it going to your head. You don't want the head to become fat, you know, or hard. Uh, you wanted to use the head, so this is an example that use the head so often say to soften the heart, mm-hmm. but often it just goes into the head and then it swirls around in there and and uh, one becomes proud of what one thinks is one's uh, accomplishments. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is that not only materially are do we have but uh, counterfeit currency for purchasing any real estate in, on the, in, in, that, uh, in the land of nectar, whatever our material qualities are, they, they, they're counterfeit. It was a, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur was known for his material qualities. This is just one example, of course. Um, his more moral uh, fiber, stoutness, and so forth, uh, his, uh, his um, um, education, learning... Uh, and, and so on. And, and when he went at the request of the order, really, of Thakur Bhakti Vinod to take Diksha from Gorkashor Das Babaji Marsh, he found in the illiterate Babaji Marsh that uh, he, unlike everyone else, had no uh, interest in the good qualities of uh, um, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. They had no <laughs> meaning to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, an, that's also an important point because Vaishnavas don't give blessings because someone has a certain quality or, or not necessarily. Otherwise, then it's coming from the lower side. Mm-hmm. No, it's grace. So, huh? so um, this is brought out very, very um, strongly in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bhagavad story of Nard's progress and how he was blessed by the Bhaktivedantas and so forth. He wasn't blessed because he had good qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, he, w- he was he was graced and so forth. So uh, the whole idea of mercy overrides justice. Hmm? So 
So at any rate, uh, Gorkishore was was not attracted to his to your quality, and that attracted Bhakti Thakur. This person has something hmm, of value that is categorically uh, different from the the values that, that that others see in me, my material credentials. But my point here is, not only are our material abilities hmm, um, kind of like I say, counterfeit currency, they don't have any purchasing power in that for real estate in that, that, that land. But furthermore, spiritually speaking, we're defective. Hmm? If we look at within consciousness, at uh, there's a very uh, some variegatedness. So there's the tatasta shakti, for example, there's chit shakti. There's swarup shakti. In a broad sense, they both chit shakti, hmm? consciousness. But there's a difference. We have a t- we have a tendency that we can maybe come under the influence of matter. Hmm? Sometimes it's put together at by or explained by way of size, smallness and size. But there's also a qualitative difference. We look at the, the qualities of Krishna, for example, uh, listed by Sri Rupa Goswami. The jivas don't have all those qualities, and they can have some of those qualities to a minute degree. So to a minute degree means there's a quantitative difference. And the fact that they can't have all of them, there's a qualitative difference as well. Hmm? Not only between ourselves and Bhagwan, but between ourselves and the Parsha, the Ragatmikas, hmm? those who, whose rag is inborn. Deshoda, Nanda, Lalita, Vishaka, Sridham, Subal, hmm? Ojasvi, all such people. Hmm? These are hmm, ragatmikas. Raganuga means to follow the ragatmikas. And having, which is, of course, brings up other points. You can't follow someone who might fall, you know, from there. So to follow those people, hmm, those associates of Krishna, this is, uh, this is Raganuga Bhakti. And upon being successful in, in, in following and, and, and gaining interest, entrance into the circle of the Leela, our status is somewhat different there. Hmm? It's glorious, but it's still somewhat different. Than, so there's a qualitative difference between ourselves and Nanda, Yashoda, and so forth. Hmm? So, therefore, not only spiritually, hmm, are we in and of our, materially, I should say, unfit and lacking purchasing power for, uh, 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 as they say, uh, real estate there, or to 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 enter, to get a ticket to enter there. Hmm? But spiritually speaking, also in and of ourselves, inherently, hmm? it's not our right. Bhakti is not our right. This is, an, of course, an important point. Hmm? Hmm? The jiva is not constituted of of swarup shakti. Hmm? So bhakti is the essence of the surup shakti and the ingress of bhakti into the jiva makes possible the uh, life in, in lila. Hmm? So we look at it like that and you see, well, we, we're really in, in, in need hmm? uh, if we uh, are very... And this is central, the surup lakshan of sharanagati is this mood of dependence. Hmm? I'm a dependent entity. This has to be um, um, cultivated. And so, therefore, whatever does come from that side in us that others may recognize and acknowledge, if, if it's actually there hmm, and we're feeling it, hmm, then there's no question of pride. Hmm? Hmm. 
you know if you actually have, you could have a semblance of it, a facsimile of it, and so forth. Hmm? People can do a lot of service, and, and people, wow, Prabhu is doing so much service. And he's, it's really, uh, he's an incredible devotee. Hmm? Well, there's a saying in Bengali, what is that saying? Ati bhakti lakshanchor. Lakshanchor, the lakshan. Ati bhakti, ati bhakti means very much bhakti. Ati bhakti. Lakshan chor. This is the characteristic lakshan of a chora, a thief. Hmm? Means sudulava. Hmm? Bhakti is sudulava. The other night we gave a very general and liberal uh, explanation of the of the idea of lobha, shradhamai lobha, faith filled with eagerness for that kind of ideal. Sometimes lobha is called greed. Greed. The inhabitants of Vrindavan, they're greedy. When you're greedy, you do things that are inappropriate. So they interact with the Absolute in ways that would appear inappropriate, wrestling him to the ground and tying him to the mortar and, and so forth. From the perspective of Vaikuntha, this looks very inappropriate. Hmm. Uh, so we have to have some attraction for that and so forth. We, we discussed it in a general way. That can also be defined or explained in a very conservative way. The great commentator on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Mukunda Gosami, following Jiva Gosami and, uh, and um, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, has said that lobha, greed, hmm, for Braj Bhakti is more rare than bhava for Vaiti Bhakti. And bhava for Vaiti Bhakti has been described by Rupa Gosami as sud- not durlabha, but sudurlabha, very rarely attained. Hmm? We shouldn't be discouraged about that in any way because we'll take the liberal definition <laughs> and we'll think. Um, so there may be a, a, a full-faced kind of eligibility connected with loba and a, 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 a kind of a, not the full face of, of eligibility, but loba nonetheless. We call that ajataruchi, ajatarati, mm-hmm. raganuga bhakti. Rag is all about taste, so if you don't have taste, ajataruchi is kind of oxymoron, you know, no taste attachment, uh, no taste rag. So <laughs> uh, some, some sense of that, some attachment to somebody who has rag, hmm? who has real feeling for that. We become attached to that person. So then we have entrance. Uh, but we don't, may not have everything in place to fully ap- apply ourselves, as we were discussing uh, I believe uh, last night. Hmm? So, at any rate, so to to uh, to enter there. This is uh, it's not our our right. It's 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 a grace. So understanding that, and uh, and having actual uh, really being connected by service and having those qualities is one thing. There may be an appearance of such. So ati bhakti lakshanto. Have, to have real bhakti is, is rare. And so you can find, you can find, for example, I've seen many times, boys in India. They'll join the mission. Hmm? And they will serve for two years just like uh, incredible devotees. But their whole underlying motivation is to get a visa to go to America. Hmm? And if, it's, just like, it's, like, it's just like American mentality. You know, well, I'll join the army for two years or I'll go to school for four years and plug myself in there, and I'll get something from it. So in India, it's, well, I can join a mission, 
Hmm? This is my religion. This goes on here, and uh, I'll join. I'll do my thing. I'll get my pension from it. Or I'll get my visa. It's a way to go. It's a life. It's a possible occupation. Hmm? Hmm. I've seen sometimes American devotees that are enamored by, oh, he's an Indian brahmachari, and so, well, yeah. you don't always know what's going on in all those moths, and look inside a little further, and you see there are many, as many material motivations as there are in the West, if not more. Andy is the land of bogus gurus, for that matter. There's more per capita there than anywhere in the world. <laughs> so it's a rich place, of course, as well, in, in devotion, and, and uh, valuable to, to go there to the doms and serve and associate, but but there is the possibility of having an appearance of cultivating the bhakti lata and, uh, and serving when indeed you're cultivating weed. There's a famous story of uh, Saraswati Thakur uh, came to, I believe, Madras, and when he arrived there he was told by the leader of the moth that such and such brahmachari is serving so nicely. He's doing this, this organizing these programs for outreach and, and so forth. And, so Bhaktisanathakur said, call him, talk with him. So he said, he came, he said, I understand, excuse me, I understand you're serving very nicely and all these programs have been started by you and so forth. He said, yes, Gurudev, by your grace and so forth. He said, very good. Tomorrow I want you to go to Calcutta. Hmm? So you're going to take him out of all those services. Hmm? So then he said, yes, Gurudev, I will go. He said, no, then you, you stay. Uh, he wanted to see if he actually had those, uh, he was engaged in service, or he was just doing something that he liked to do, and, and he was getting prestige for it, and he was living on that, on, on, the, on the bhava, if you will, <laughs> of, uh, of pratishta, recognition, acknowledgement, and so forth. Nowadays it's more tricky, because people know this story, so you'll say, oh, I want you to give up your service. Yes, Guru Dave. And he thinks, but he's not going to really ask me to. So I'll say yes, and so no. <laughs> uh, so you have to actually take it away and see how they, how they respond. <laughs> so um, so there can be you know a a, a, a an appearance of, of of bhakti and and then when you glorify those people, then it will go to their head and they're living on the prestige and so on and so forth. But if they're actually connected hmm, substantially and serving in other words, then they'll think like this, like I'm talking about. Hmm? So, this is the idea. Does that help? Mm -hmm. What else? Yes? Earlier you spoke about uh, reasoning and throwing off the altar. Can you elaborate on that? Well, what I mean by that is that reason has its place really as an as an, as an ornament of faith, we often kind of think of it in a, in the modern world in another way. Faith is, is is the departure from reason, and it's lesser than reason. Faith is lesser than reason. Oh, it's and it's it's. Oh, he doesn't, he can't reason it out. So he's faith. So faith, and so forget it. Hmm? But uh, but this is a misunderstanding. Actually, uh, uh, faith is is superior to reason, and, and reason becomes beautiful in connection with faith. Kewal yukti. Hmm? This, is the, this, is, this is characterizes the Western world. Kewal yukti. There was a time in the Western world where philosophy was a handmaiden to religion or theology. Hmm? But the balance shifted at a certain point. Hmm? 
and philosophy came became a discipline unto itself, and then it then in largely in the Western world it, it it's gone towards dismissing religion altogether. This is reason unhitched from revelation. Hmm? What we um, are interested in is, is what's called Shastra Yukti. Yukti means reasoning. Shastra Yukti. It's really theology that you will reason in relation to revelation. So you'll reason as to what the implications of the uh, sacred texts' statements are, what the ramifications of them, what their ap- the applications are in different circumstances and times and so forth. Hmm? Um, this kind of reasoning is useful. And of course, this kind of reasoning uh, is not something that necessarily everyone can do effectively. Hmm? It requires some taste. Yeah, Jiva Goswami is the last verse of the first chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu makes this point. Hmm? That Shastra Yukti requires some taste. And that can be looked at in a general way in a more, or in a more specific way. Hmm? Therefore, higher eligibility for Bhakti, for treading the path, includes this capacity for Shastra Yukti, Shastra Nipun, Shastra Yukti. Hmm? A kind of a scriptural uh, genius, if you if, if if you will, that as the texts are speaking to the person and saying things that you could never hear, and, and, he, and he or she's able to reason about them. This comes from taste, from some feeling for the subject matter that brings the text alive and so forth. And so, it, 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 this is what we are concerned about: not doing away with reasoning altogether. With oh, they don't, they don't. We have some regard for reasoning, but we don't put it on the altar, which means to say we don't think it's the final arbitrator. Hmm? And, and neither it is the final arbitrator in anything we do. Therefore we say, I know, but. Hmm? Yes, I know, but. I feel another way, and that's what I'll do. Hmm? That can be bad for us, of course, but uh, materially speaking. But there's a point where also, as I said the other night, love knows no reason, retires reason, and it's useful and it's valuable when that... When, re- when good reasoning has been used, in other words, when we reason wisely as to the, the, the nature of the argument of, of, of Shastra and the overriding argument that I brought up the other night, that, which is that perfect knowing requires a perfect method. This is the perfect method. We've already said we're imperfect. Not only materially, but spiritually we're imperfect. Inherently. So, what is our what is our recourse? How will we become? Per- we have to attract perfection somehow or other. How will we do that? This is the perfect way. You have to fold your hands. Hmm? This is reasonable. I mean, I'm speaking in a reasonable way. I'm using reason to support the idea that reason has its limitations, and there is something that that, is, that transcends reason, and the vehicle for going there is faith, and it's well reasoned faith. Hmm? It's well reasoned to reason as to the limitations of of reason and uh, and and to you know throw one's hands up in the air. Hmm? Uh, it's it's quite uh, uh, it's quite a strong and powerful. I'm just giving this in a, in a simple way uh, argument, reasonable argument for the um, the power of of faith and the necessity of 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 knowing. Uh, by a means that transcends, comprehensively by the means that transcends logic. I mean, even in our everyday experience, we, we can know logically what an apple is and have nothing, no idea what it is without tasting it, right? 
So reason is never going to give you the taste of what, of an, what an apple is. So you, how will you know what it is? Hmm? Hmm? This is a simple example. So, so we, want to, we don't want to reason as to the uh, implications of, of, of revelation and embark upon a transrational means of knowing, not an irrational means of knowing, but a, a means that, that picks up where reason leaves off. Hmm? And the Western world has gone in very much in a different direction. And it, as I said, it unhinged itself from Revelation, and, and, and it arguably it's come up dry. Hmm? And now, you know, these arguments as to the fact that we don't exist, or do I exist, or uh, uh, is there a self, there's no self, and I mean, these are very convoluted and, uh, and irrational. Hmm? They're irrational. Um, there's, there's reason that they, it's used to support it, but overall it's very irrational, counterintuitive, not counterintuitive on an individual level, but counterintuitive universally. Uh, universally, humans think life has meaning, cause, purpose. We live our lives like that. No one does not live their lives like that. Hmm? No one, no one, yeah, no one doesn't, li- everyone lives their life like that. Hmm? Uh, so to philosophize that, no, that life has no meaning and be so invested in, in, in making this the meaning of life is, is a little questionable. <laughs> so um, this is the extreme, I would say, of disconnecting reasoning from, from revelation. You're left with, a, with an incomprehensive means uh, of, of, of knowing and therefore an unfulfilled life. Hmm? So there's a place for reason in, in bhakti. Hmm. Bhagavatam is a very, embarks upon a very um, powerful bashing of the intellect, if you will, just to try to put it in its place. Because it's very insidious, it, close in a sense as it is to the self, on a hierarchy of, of things materially. We have objects of the senses, we have the senses, we have the mind, we have the intellect. The Atma is, of course, categorically different, but as this hierarchy ascends, things become more and more subtle. Hmm? And we become, we're more identified with them. If I say to you, man, you're overweight, it's one thing you might go, well, yeah, well, that's true. You know? But if I say you're dumb, then you, know, you may want to fight with me. So if I insult your intelligence, hmm? it's one thing. If I insult your body, it's, an, it's another thing. Hmm. Depends who you are, of course, but <laughs> some people are more identified with their body than their intelligence. But humans are meant to be more identified with their intelligence and speak the language of reason, hmm? at least. Hmm? The guru is supposed to speak the language of reason and the language of love and try to translate the language of love into the language of reason. Hmm? That's the real task. Hmm? Um, that takes a lot of study <laughs> to, to translate love into, into reason and, and, and so explain the feelings that Vaishnavism is mm-hmm. um, in a way that will appeal to or, or, or in, a, in a language that people speak, the humans speak. Humans should speak the language of reason. Mm-hmm. And in the context of speaking the language of le- reason, they should learn the language of love. Human life is not the culmination of existence. It's the opportunity to, 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 to ascend to the culmination 
of existence. It's like being on probation. Hmm? Hmm. Not you're not quite free, but you're on probation, something like that. And you could go back to jail too, if you don't use the opportunity properly. So we should. Therefore, I say we should use the language of reason. We should use our heads to soften our heart. Hmm? Hmm. So we have to find a good company where someone who has speaks the language of love can translate it into reason, reason and captivate us to some extent and, uh, in it, by example, in a compelling way, um, cause us to be um, moved to engage in such a way that we may also hmm, start to get a feeling for the language of, of love. Hmm? So what was the question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, on logic, uh, reason, reason, reason not being on the altar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's been, uh, you know, that's what the average person has been led to, to believe in Western society, that uh, reason is the all and all. But it, it doesn't, we don't live our lives like that. There's more than reason, and we're, there's good, good reason for that. Uh, the, the Atma, we say, the self, is supernatural. It's not a it's not a product of the brain. It's not reducible to matter. Hmm? And it's, it, it's, it's a unit of experiential existence. Matter has no experience. Hmm? Those things in our brain that do a lot of things uh, are just moving around, bumping into one another, I guess, like the example sometimes given, like, like billiard balls on a, on a pool table. So we never expect to hit the eight ball and hear it go, ouch, can you put a little chalk on that thing? Or, you know, I'm tired of that. Put me in the corner hole or whatever. You know. So that we never, you know, it's a joke right, to think that billiard balls will start to have experience. Hmm? Well, it's just much a joke to think that somewhere in the brain, neurons will start having experiences by some combination or something like that. Experience will not come out of non-experience. So we, we, we see practically that there is experiencing and there's, there's, there's that which is experienced, which is non-experiencing. So sort all that out. This is the idea of, 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 of yoga, hmm? of real spiritual practice, distinguish consciousness from matter, hmm? and to focus on what matters. Hmm? As I said the other night up in Portland, what is the, mo- what is the most powerful experience we have in this world? The fact that we experience, that's, wow, <laughs> that's very extraordinary. And we have to think, what, what are the implications of that and so forth? Hmm? Hmm? Uh, so, yeah. <clears throat> so this is to, yeah, as I say, to reason along, uh, along spiritual lines. And it's thought, that, well, if you have a spiritual idea, then you, well, that's just your faith, you have no no reasoning to support it. Well, it's quite reasonable. Or you have no empiric data to support it, but there's no empiric data to support the contrary, that, that consciousness is reducible to matter either. There's a lot of propaganda, and some people have the microphone <coughs> right now so that the, the common people pick up those kind of ideas and start thinking them and so forth. Either the common people will never figure it out. You just need to get the microphone, that's all. Whoever has the microphone then rules the day. 
that's why I probably used to say in the beginning, any publicity is good publicity, as long as we, you know, able to get to the, get our points out there somehow or other. What else? Another question? Yes. You said today um, that uh, we are supposed to um, love our gurus properly with sentiment and philosophical understanding. But sometimes philosophy um, comes in the way of the heart because it, it sort of stops us from experiencing, at least in my case. And um, I wanted to know if you can speak more about what is the proper way to um, love one guru if one experiences guru as who he or she really is as representative of Krishna, then um, I can't think of a wrong way or bad way to love one's guru. Well, that's the basic philosophical idea, right? That the guru is representing Krishna. But then, so who is Krishna? And, you know, all those things, those are important to understand that and, and to uh, think about that in different ways and so forth, that we may relate to the guru uh, appropriately. Because, I mean, I, I gave the example, someone may be charismatic, a good singer or whatever, good-looking, and, 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 and so forth. People join for different reasons, mixed reasons and so forth, and we could we could be going on the basis of something less than uh, substantial and proper, correct philosophical understanding and so forth. Hmm? The idea that the guru is the representative of Krishna, that, that can get lost sometimes in, uh, in, 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 um, um, in, in close, uh, co- close quarters. Hmm? Uh, that's a possibility. So, uh, therefore... Uh, some philosophical understanding is useful in in such circumstances. The same thing holds true with the deity, of course. You have to see the deity through a philosophical eye, and then you apply yourself accordingly, and then you'll get another eye. Hmm? The deity will speak to you and talk to you and so on and so forth. Hmm? But in order to first relate with the deity in such a way that that might be possible, well, you have to have a philosophical eye. So that's what I'm I'm talking about, and um, and at a certain point, yeah, the philosophy gets in the way. And that's that's good if you can get to that point. Then, hmm? and the deity starts talking to you, or, or everything that the guru says or does just becomes, you know, faults become ornaments or, or whatever. Then, then that's no no. Then there's no problem. <laughs> but um, but it's. Uh, with a philosophical eye that we we come in touch in the first place, and that should kind of really re- remain in 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 the center until Ruchi comes and these type of higher stages and so forth. Uh, that, that's that's important. Hmm? Does that help? What else? Yes. So, Marshall, um, when you speak about. Uh, that we're all spiritually defective. Yeah. Um, I, I take that to mean that we're not capable of approaching the level of selflessness as shown by our previous tribes. Is that correct? Well, not without their grace. In other words, we, we can without, without bhakti. Bhakti means they're having their connection. Right. Uh, well, it's wonderful that you mentioned that because 
my intuitive sense is that um, it's, it's really all grace. It's not. It's it's not that the the assumed self or ego self is capable of achieving perfection. That self has no hope for whatever <laughs> of even enduring what to speak of. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, well, it, to perfect that self is but only Rajaguna. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's my point. Is that um, there's 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 a real sensitive subtle place within the lives of sadhakas where we actually come to recognize that. The, that the assumed self is not capable of achieving perfection or really much of anything without grace, not even really, even the physical body functioning well enough to do seva. What to speak of different kinds of mystical or esoteric accomplishments, poetically speaking, even these, even the well-being of the bottom-mind system for performing savings all dependent on race, all of it. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, um, there, there seems to be um, a settling into a kind of a softer, gentler, more authentic space where um, when one kind of really examines what one's um, aspirations are, that they may find that, well, I, I don't actually know exactly what, you know, it's like I started mentioning yesterday. Like, is there is it any is there any place in the writings of the of the Goswamis or in any of your studies where um, someone was just kind of open to kind of seeing what what the supreme desire was for that expression or for that instrument? of the divine, rather than having, like, this is what I want, this is what I want, I'm, I'm like that, like, is there, is there any, anything in the writings? I'm not sure I understand your question. Is there any, any instance in which some revelations come as to what the divine wants of me, or something like that? Is it? With, without a specific goal in mind, without a specific, like, this is what I want, this, this right here, just this. Without that kind of very specific, like I don't want to be a misrost and do this. Service. Well, their example is the example of of uh, Shamananda. He wanted one thing, and then it turned out that they came and said, oh, "We want you to do something else." Hmm? Uh, arguably, he wanted something. He took initiation in the Sakyarasa lineage, which would be the would uh, be engaged in the cultivation of Sakyarasa. And the story is that in Vrindavan, he was sweeping a place with this Virata Krishna's pastimes and he found an ankle bell and he picked it up and then one girl came and said, that's mine, that's my mistress's. Thank you for finding that. 
And she took the ankle bell and pressed it on his head like this, and it formed like a T-lock mark. Hmm. And so he went back, and, and his guru said, what's with the, feet, with the bogus T-lock, you know? <laughs> Uh, we wear the T-lock like this. What's what's that? And he said, well, you know, this is a story. And he said, well, you know, we'll talk about that story. Let's rub it off right there. It wouldn't come off and so forth. And so it's a long story, but um, to make it short, it turned out that his experience that he tried to relate, which is a little unbelievable, turned out to be true. And uh, so a whole lineage was formed, the Shamananda Paribar, Based on this uh, desire from um, um, on the other side to in- take him from this side to that side, and Subal, who was the the guru of his guru hmm, in Gorlila, was involved in negotiations with the Sakis and so forth, and and so they turned him into a into a gopi, if you will. Um, so this is a, this is an instance where he arguably had a different specific goal in mind even was cultivating it arguably in the context of the, the Sakiras lineage and the uh, from the other side there was a change so sure there may be um, um, well let me let me explain it like this to you um, in in Raghvartma Chandrika Vishwanachakati Thakur said there are three ways by which one will um, acquire the information and insight as to how to conduct oneself internally in pursuit of the perfection of a spiritual identity for the Leela. One of the ways is that the guru will say to you, this is your ideal and you should go like this. That's information. Hmm? Information, not realization. Hmm? The other way is that the Siksha guru, one may have a Siksha guru, uh, along with the Diksha Guru, the Siksha Guru may give the information. That's also information, not realization. Hmm? Information to be applied appropriately um, in, in such a way that it will turn into realization in due course. And it may be information that you can't do a lot with either. Hmm? But certainly it's, 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 it's has some, some value. Hmm? Uh, we find, for example, in Jaiva Dharma, some information was given by the Diksha Guru, but it, it wasn't something they could do much with until much later in their progress. Vijay, what was his name? Vijay Kumar and Brajanath, until much later in their progress. Under the guidance of a Siksha Guru, they were able to put that information into practice in such a way that it would turn into realization. Hmm? So, so we have two ways, right? You get information. Um, then the third way, he says, is through spiritual practice, through sadhana. He quotes from 11th Canto of Bhagavatam, how subtle realities become known hmm, and revealed by spiritual practice, basically the implication of the verse that he cites there. This is an instance, then, in which not information comes, but realization comes. Hmm? So w- however you get it, you have to get the realization. So you might get information... Or you might not get information, specific information. That doesn't mean you don't get information on how to go there. Everybody gets that. Hearing, chanting, absorbing the sadhaka deha, as I said the other night. Both its physical and psychic dimension. Converting this uh, assumed, uh, as you put it, ego, the conventional ego and self, 
into something spiritual in the here and now hmm? by keeping the material senses and the mind in touch with spiritual sense objects and so forth. Hmm? It's a very uh, interesting concept, the spiritualization of the sadhaka day. But as that occurs, this is what Vishwanatha Chakrati Thakur is saying, as that takes place, then realization hmm, comes from the other side. So he doesn't have a specific idea in mind other than he wants to serve and selflessly. And, so, and how the Absolute wants to accept service becomes revealed through, through practice. So there's, I say, would, from what I understand of your question, I would say there's very good um, and considerable evidence for um, the idea that with, of course, when you get the realization, then, there, then there's an application of the realization um, that, for example, asakti, ruchi bhav bhakti involves. Hmm? That earlier stages of sadhana don't really uh, 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 as effectively um, um, it, it doesn't really in, involve that that, that uh, inner culture in the same way. Hmm? Namsen Kirtan is advocated. It's, it's very powerful. You can think of other things and do kirtan or do other things and do kirtan and still make benefit, but inner Meditation is only going to be as good as you can actually meditate, and it requires a pure heart to meditate, to sit, so on and so forth. So, to get busy, shravanam, kirtanam, you know, scrubbing them, mopping them is a is a extension of that idea hmm? with the sadaka day. That's a glorious thing. Hmm? People say, "Well, you know, you don't have your siddha day. You're not meditating on your siddha roop. You know how you will. You know, we're not so concerned for that. We just keep busy in Krishna service and so forth, and and then." insight, realization will come. Now, then at that point, you're going to do something with that that insight, that realization, and appropriately cultivate that in consultation with our guides and so on and so forth. You may, you may say, ah, yes, we detect that what is happening. This is symptomatic of this. You should read these sections of the, of the Leela. Hmm? Know these, study these verses. And and to augment that. So it's not a real huge uh, mystery, the whole affair, really, hmm? um, in, in a sense. It's very kind of straightforward um, how this uh, inner identity will develop. So you're asking, you know, is, without, I want to be such and such hmm? idea in mind. Really, what I'm saying to you, the idea, I want to be such and such, is is, is coming from that side as 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 the doors have opened, and here's your opening. You can you can come through this window like this. It's how it happens, and then so then you cultivate that. Hmm? So. And it's in the same. Excuse me. The same holds true if the Guru Dev Guru should tell us. Therefore, it's not coming from us. It's coming from the Guru. It's coming from Guru Parampara. If the Guru says, and you will be Krishna's friend in 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 in, in herding cows. Hmm? If he said, like, then, did it come from me? Is it my, you know? Or if I just understand, my guru is herding cows, I think, I'll go there. That's why I'll do that. That's logical. Now, you know, I talked about this the other night. You had some questions that didn't you didn't raise. One of them may have been, well, what if my guru is in, in, in Gopi Bhav, and I'm finding that 
for whatever reason, I have some attraction, I know a fair amount of philosophy and so forth, attraction for sakiras. What, how, because well, you said, you know, the guru comes, arranged by Krishna, but, you know, you look at our, there are always exceptions, but the exceptions don't really break the rule. They only appear to break the rule in the present because we have a past, too, of previous lifetimes, orientation, and so forth. And many of us today, I mean, all of us today, have been hit by a huge wave of Sakyaras in the person of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. I mean, it's just huge. So, you know, like for yourself, I know your history for, for a long time. You know, you were, you were inspired by Prabhupada, joined Prabhupada's mission, and so forth. They eventually got initiated by Sridhar Maharaj, and so on, and, and so forth. And they are contemporaries and intimate friends, and so forth. And there is a Madhuri component to uh, the, uh, the full spectrum, if you will, of, of Sakyaras also. And so, you know, the... Um, Prabhupada, like your Vartma Pradarsha, Guru Siksha Guru, also. So it's not that you don't have a connection through Guru Parampara with the, your, your particular interest, if it should be Sakyaras, and I believe it is uh, to some extent. So, anyway, just to address that um, in, a, in a broad sense, the point, overarching point is it really, it, and this is a very important point, it comes from the Guru Parampara to us. It's not just my. Uh, just go and pick it out, you know. And, and, and we, uh, today or yesterday, I got a letter, uh, an email uh, from one of my students who someone else had asked some questions, and so he answered the questions and wrote to me and sent me the answers. And I guess he's asking, wondering, well, how good are the answers? And so forth. the guy said, "My attraction is for Nityananda Prabhu and, and Jagannath and." He's going on like this, and I don't have interest in this and that, and I don't know if that's okay, and, and so on and so on. He was giving good philosophical answers, but the overarching answer is, get a guru, for God's sake. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's where it's all going to really come from, is, is get out of your head here. You know, this is not a, a culture of self-reliance. It's a culture of dependence. Hmm? And as much as you relativize the, the figure of the guru, which has been done in modern times in the Gaudiya community, uh, to an extent, due to the failure of certain persons to live up to the, the ideal, then there's this tendency for this self-reliance. It's a process. We'll just do the, you know, I mean, I didn't join a process. I joined a guru who loved me, I loved him, that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, his enthusiasm, his, his, his affection for me, and so forth, uh, uh, I, I just wanted to know what he was about and what he wanted. Hmm? And I wanted to do that. Hmm? When I heard he wanted these book distributed, there's a whole warehouse full of them here in Los Angeles. They're just sitting there. I thought, well, I'll try it. I don't know how to do anything else, so I'll try. I'll talk to people and see if I can convince them to take a book and, and so forth. Maybe you were around there in those days yourself. So Were you in Los Angeles? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, get a guru. Like I said, then this is this is a big problem in the in, in the Gaudiya uh, community. There's an adverse kind of an adversity to to a spiritual authority that, uh, in the name of adhering to a spiritual authority, hmm? you know, in, in, the, in the fanaticism, for example, for for Prabhupada that excludes everyone else, any contemporary and an ongoing succession, the solutions of the problems that arise in spiritual uh, successions at the time of the departure of the guru 
are answered by Guru Parampara, not by doing away with the Guru Parampara. <laughs> Krishna says he, the problems are answered by, by coming again, by one after another and so forth. So, uh, I mean, when we, I come, you know, from the first generation of Western persons uh, joining Gaudiya Vaishnavism, I was fortunate to be in Mayapur and, and be one of the persons who was participating in the fulfillment of the prediction of Bhakti Thakur, that on this road, Bhakti Siddhanta Marg, I believe it's called, that people nowadays, that people will come from all countries and chant Jai Satchinandan, Jai Satchinandan. Well, I was there for that when that first happened. Hmm? So I'm blessed in that regard, but I'm from the first generation. And, and how we entered into this is whole, with whole, complete and exclusive dedication to Sri Guru, knowing that we have nothing on our side that qualifies us. It all comes from that side. So as much as you, you know, relativize or move the Guru out of the equation, and there's just all this, this ascending to enter in there with your shoes on, and it just doesn't work like that. You have to take your shoes off to get in the house of Bhakti. Hmm? You can't go trampling in there, knocking down the door, and it's not your right. This is my point. It's not your right. It's a, it's, it's a, we're spiritually... Inherently, we have, we're only inherently, um, I want to say, um, qualified for spiritual life and that we're different from matter. Hmm? <laughs> That's the matter. It's not going to turn into, you know, a gopi. Hmm? <laughs> but we're a conscious being, so it's, 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 it, we're, we're made of a little bit of sat, chit, ananda, so... If we come into contact with a with an ocean of such and another, well, we we feel com- we'll feel comfortable there. Hmm? Yeah. So, uh, uh, but but if we don't come in touch with that, there's 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 no possibility. It's the whole idea, the sarup shakti, is is, is 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 gracing us. Therefore, we can enter in there, despite our lack of qualification, and they're and, and so generous that they overlook that. Hmm? And so, with the ingress of sarup shakti, one conducts oneself as if one in the in the realm of lila, where everything is governed by this by this sarup shakti that, that bhakti is the essence of. So this is so important of a point. Um, I mean, in Pujapad, bhakti rakshak sita devasami versus Mahati, uh, you know, it used to be the custom in his, in his time that devotees would come. They would be encouraged to do kirtan, hmm? but not to read the Bhagavatam, hmm? and, and and not to chant on, on japa mala hmm? until they were initiated. They got the mala from the guru, and then they got from the guru the order to read the read the Bhagavatam. Puja Pachita used to say, if you read the Bhagavatam without the order of the guru, it's just knowledge, not bhakti. He wanted to make an exa- make a point. Hmm? Of course, I'm a guru. I give you my blessing. Read the Bhagavatam, hmm? <laughs> right? And, 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 but you know, you're doing it under good guidance and so forth. Is the, is the idea, and so this was a way of emphasizing the point. Hmm? There's there's no like going around shortcut. And, and this is, of course, the guru only becomes that much more important in Raga Bhakti as we go forward, as we go higher. The higher we go, the more important. The guru becomes. This isn't a debate to be down to. The higher you go, the more the more inconsequential the guru figure is. Ultimately, he's killed. You know, 
They say, you see the Buddha on the road, you know, shoot him. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I've heard this thing. <laughs> Maybe it means something like that. So, uh, <laughs> so no. Hmm? From Sakshadharitvena to Kintu Praboreya Priyavatasi, that other side of the Guru becomes most important. His, his Krishnanandaya becomes important to us. Hmm? And so you went to there in a particular group that has a group leader who has a group leader who has, you know, and it's a. Uh, Pujapad Sridharmarsh told me that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is indirect. Our position is the fifth position. Krishna, the Krishna Das, Das, there's Krishna, Das, Das, Anu Das, and then we come. (laughs) That is our position, something like that. And, of course, then that's the direct experience. Hmm? It's not that... It's indirect, but it's direct. Sometimes the example is given. You look through the window, you see outside. Hmm? Same idea. So, in rag bhakti means to follow a, a particular bhava. Hmm? It means means to be attached to a particular uh, devotee, uh, embodying particular uh, ecstasy and so forth. This is the emphasis, not on Krishna. Hmm? So, Really, it comes from up to down. Hmm? That's the idea. There's no, there's no, there's no, no other way in which Krishna and Krishna consciousness come to us more prominently than through the Guru. Which, well, what about the Hari Harinam? Hmm? Well, we, we tomorrow we give Harinam initiation to some of students. We'll talk about it. and We'll see. Yeah? What is the place of Harinam in relation to the Guru? Said Harinam is independent of initiation. So I guess we don't need a guru. Hmm, we have to think about that. We'll save it for tomorrow. What's the time now? 7.43. So anything else? Yes. Maharaj, I was talking with uh, Shamananda this afternoon about the close reading that he's doing of Bhagavad Gita. And it seems we both had the experience of encountering a verse that we've read maybe dozens of times, but seeing it in a whole new light, almost as if well, this wasn't in the book before, but it's suddenly jumping out in a new way. You know, Sanskrit is, of course, such a precise language, but when you have that type of experience, it's almost like the meanings aren't fixed. And, and earlier today, you were talking about the subjectivity that the reader brings to, to a book, and I was wondering if you could maybe comment on that further, insofar as, is the book may be intact and passed down syllable for syllable, but the reading is it's different every time you know we approach it, and every time it's passed down and grew from for as well. So, if there's anything you could say, like about that, that subjectivity of the text, which you might otherwise think to be kind of a fixed set of meanings. Yeah, I'm not sure what I can say about that, but um, but I think it's it's I would say this that it's fixed within certain parameters. Hmm. And within the context of those parameters, then there are many subjective meanings and so forth that one can can draw from them. So it's important to read it in such a way as to know the parameters. Hmm? What does bhakti constitute? What is bhakti bhakti rasa? Uh, and because, for example, you know, you can there was the, there the the instance in Chaitanya Charitamrita of devotees coming and offering praise to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through Srupadamata, and Srupadamata would examine it in terms of tattva and uh, and rasa vichar. And so, if if it didn't 
if it, it was outside of those parameters, then he would send it back to the editor. <laughs> back to the editor here. Uh, we appreciate your effort, but we're not going to publish it, uh, and so forth. So, so it's important to know the, the parameters, I think. And, in, 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 of course, subjective meanings that take us outside of the parameters, then we, we, don't, have, we don't find to have, uh, uh, have value. Um, and so to avoid that, hmm, then sometimes an emphasis is given, it means this. Hmm. Um, but our experience would be that if we, if we have that kind of thrust for a while and we accept it and we embrace it, that we will find new meanings in, that, that fit within the parameters of what the text is, is speaking about. And that's, of course, um, very uh, desirable. Hmm? Um, so there's a kind of a unity and a, and a diversity, I guess, in it, there's a, there's a staticness and a dynamicness to it, which is the whole idea of beta bait, static dynamic. The fullness of the absolute is is such that he it is still in relation to the false movements of the world, but has a movement of its own called lila and so forth. So it's the, the more static it becomes, the more dynamic it becomes, and so and, and vice versa. So if you're really full. Uh, then the the idea is well if you're full why move if you're satisfied why move and the answer is out of joy because I'm so full so it's a different kind of movement love is a kind of movement if you will that we we can't we can't rest without having gotten it once we get it and we're moving again in a, in a different circle as I've often said so um, so it's something like that I would I would think of it along those lines. Um, um, but again, initially it's probably taught more like this is what it means. It probably was fond of it doesn't mean anything else. It means this exactly, and and uh, the whole idea as it is, which is his subtitle to his Bhagavad Gita. As it is, it's not another way. It's like this. But if you really look at that, he's saying as it is. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, and there's a few base, and it's not Advaita, you know, and he's going on these certain points. That, that constitute as it is in a broad sense. There were certain themes that he emphasized over and over and over again. Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. He's basically saying Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam over and over again, every paragraph and so forth. And and this is supposed to create a sanskar for this understanding, which is, which is a cornerstone of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And the other one, I would say these were his, largely his two emphases, and it's not a way to Vedanta, it's not a way to Vedanta, it's not a way to Vedanta. He took every opportunity and the text afforded him and created opportunities where the text didn't have anything to do with that, to make, make that, that point, you know, to get that kind of out of the way. And Krishnadas did this in Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's so beautiful. After he gives his Mongol charn of 14 verses and then explains them over, what, uh, six and a half chapters, hmm, um, uh, then the next chapter, of course, he, he he tells how he came to write the book. Then he introduces the various players, the limbs of Nityananda, the associates of Garadhar and Dwait and so forth. And then maybe around chapter 12 or 13, the Leela narrative begins. Hmm? But after he finishes commenting on the Mongol Charan, hmm? and before he tells how he wrote the book and introduces the players in the drama of Gaur Leela, there's this odd section 
where suddenly he starts talking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Banares and converting Prakasana to Saraswati. It's like, what's that doing here? Hmm? Later, the same story is told much further along at the end of the, near the end of the, of the Madhya Leela in some greater detail. So what's he telling the story there for? Hmm? Because he says, if you want to go to Vrindavan, you've got to get this Mayavad out of it. Let's, let's deal with this right here. Hmm? He deals it in the form of, with, with it in the form of a narrative. Hmm? Mahabrabhu converts Prakasana to Saraswati, and, 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 so forth, and then we go forward. Hmm? Uh, so, and on the way to Vrindavan, Mahabrabhu passed through Banaras, and, and what, what he did, there was, that was a seed of uh, learning and, uh, and Sunyavad, Mayavad ideas, and so forth. So, so, uh, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, these were some of his like main emphases, which are putting, getting those parameters in place. Hmm? And you get those if you, if you read it. And he was he would emphasize them, and it's not like this; it's like that, as it is. But. As it is, is is pretty broad actually. When, when, you, when you, if you look more closely at the text and so forth, and, and you, then you start to read his own his books, for example, and you find he used a verse this way here. Sometimes he uses it another way over here, and he translates it differently, and he comments on it differently, and so forth. And you start to think, hey, this is <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities here. Hmm? And suddenly you read another edition of the Gita, which he says there are many editions of the Gita. And by devotees, and they're very valuable. By the non-devotees, they're not very, very valuable. Hmm? Then you find another commentary on the Gita, and you think, "Wow, this is so, another way of thinking about it." It was very useful for us to hear Sri Dharma speak about verses and think of them in different ways than Prabhupada did. Hmm? It was very, uh, and that was still as it is. Hmm? <laughs> So how is it? it? It's pretty, it's diverse, you see. It's diverse. And the diversity of feeling, ultimately, the subjectivity that you speak about, is ultimately is the, is the, is, is the desirable religious component in a, in a, in a, in a philo- philosophical, philo-theological, uh, you know, metaphysic. The philosophy, I want to say, it, I mean to say, is one. Hmm? But the religious experience of it is different. So there is Sakyarasa. So there is Madhuryarasa to take it to a higher level. So there is Vatsalyarasa. These are very different perspectives. Hmm? And different qualities of Krishna come into focus hmm? from those perspectives. Hmm? But don't come into, into focus from other perspectives. It's almost like a slightly different Krishna. Hmm? And different leelas and so forth, and different ways of thinking about the other leelas, and and you find all this uh, diversity, this this subjectivity, hmm? but this this ornaments the the the, the unity. It doesn't uh, compromise the unity. So it's it's one philosophically, hmm? and so we should know the parameters. And then in the context of that, there's a lot of, if you will. Uh, uh, that has a kind of an objective ring to it, uh, and, and then there's this subjectivity within that of feeling differently about the text and so forth, while remaining within those parameters. And that is really most desirable. Hmm? When the feeling goes outside the parameters, then we have a problem. 
And he said, oh, this is heterodox, this is, this is, ta- this is, may be interesting, but it's not Gaudi Vaishnavism, so, uh, uh, you can keep it, but, you know, it's a different, uh, a different, uh, you're going to a different place there. If you want to go to the Brajalila, then there are parameters for that. Um, and they're, they're quite, uh, they're, they're broad, there's lots of possibility and so forth, mm-hmm. even within, Sakiras, so many possibilities. Madhuryaras, different possibilities and so forth. Hmm? So, does that help? Yeah. Yeah, so the subjectivity is, is, is important. It's, it's, uh, we apply ourselves. We should get some feeling for that. And I'm thinking the verse is saying this here. What do you think? And this Sanskrit word means this, and it could mean be applied in this way here. It, look, it's, it's applied in this way over here. And, and this, is, this is how we should spend our time. It's very, it's very very good good use of the of the time hmm. and Prabhupada himself for example with regard to his books he said they should be studied like scientists uh, and so forth. that's what we used to do I was you know I would get together with some devotees we would say we read a book and then verse and then in the purport another verse was cited and we'd go there hmm. reading the Gita and the verse in the Bhagavatam is cited then we would go there we'd read that and then in the commentary another verse would be cited we'd go over there until we you know there was no other verse to go to. Then we'd go back to the original one. That's how we would read and study. Mm-hmm. This is a good use of your uh, your intellect, your reasoning power. Reason. What are the implications of this? What is being said? What What are the ramifications and so forth? Mm-hmm. So, anything else? Right, we will assemble tomorrow again. 5 a.m. is the beautiful and auspicious Mongolarti for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then we will gather, what time? Is it 10 in the morning? 10.30. 10.30. Okay. Who said that? You know what's going on here. Okay. <laughs> That's our guide there. <laughs> and so then some of the devotees have asked for initiation. I'll want to see those devotees. Um, in the morning at nine o'clock, hmm. whoever you are, and uh, discuss a few things, and um, and then it's, it's, it's tomorrow is a Gorpurnima, so we'll be fasting until moonrise. Probably just in conjunction with the Arctic, uh, evening Arctic. There'll be class in the evening, and and then Mahaprasad. Shri Gorpuni Mahamotsuva ki jai. Gaud Premanandi.